Let's pray. Lord, I am. I know how difficult this subject is for many of us. I know how uncomfortable it makes us feel. And yet I know, Lord Jesus, that it's your desire to set the captives free. It's your heart, Lord, for us to walk with you in the light and joy. And I know the enemy, Lord, has used this issue to destroy so many lives and so many people, so many families, and to rob them of all that you want. And so I ask you, Lord, this morning to come and to speak to our hearts. I pray, Lord, right now against the force of darkness, the enemy, who would try and bring us guilt and shame, and that would shut us down from hearing your voice of hope and forgiveness and grace and mercy. And that no matter what, Lord, this morning, we would leave this place knowing that we're loved by you and that there is a way, that there is a pathway to freedom that you have for us, Lord. And that that would bring us hope and that that would set us free. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Craig Gross and uh, Mike Foster wrote a book together called uh, Questions You Can't Ask Your Mama as the inspiration for uh, this series uh, in the next few weeks. In the very first paragraph of the introduction, they wrote these words. Men hide. Boys laugh awkwardly. Women and girls deny. Marriages unravel. Bank accounts dwindle. The porn industry booms. Churches ignore. And the clergy remain silent. Pornography is a difficult subject to talk about, and discussing sex in church makes some people very uncomfortable. I won't ask you to raise your hands, but I imagine most of you right now are thinking, and why, how come I'm not at home watching football right now? I understand the reality of this subject and how sensitive we are to it, but if the church can't or won't deal with real issues and real struggles, then who will? Who will? Well, once a year or so, I um, do a series that in somehow relates, uh, some way relates to sex. And, and I don't do it to embarrass people. I don't do it to uh, be novel or different. That's not my intent at all. I do it because sex is everywhere we turn. And the message we get fed on a daily basis is almost always a lie. The message we get fed by our culture and by those around us is almost always a lie. Most of what around, is around us sends us this not-so-subtle message that if it makes you happy, then how can it be so bad? Hollywood has romanticized illicit sex. Very funny and very well-written sitcoms. And they are. They're funny. They're well-written. I know. You know, I've sat there and watched them, you know, from time to time like you have. And they're well done, and yet they normalize promiscuity. They normalize premarital sex. And we've become desensitized to that issue. We think it's no big deal because we just see it all the time, all around us. And more than that, shockingly, we live in a country, our country, just the United States of America, where over $8 billion a year, some say maybe as high as $10 billion, $8 billion a year spent on pornography. 60% of all websites 
All web visits are sexual in nature. And over 720 million porno movies are watched every year. And again, many bought into the lie. That instant gratification is normal. That viewing women as sex objects rather than as precious uh, people that God's created, that, that it's normal. It's no big deal. The series is called Questions You Can't Ask Your Mama. But if you could ask your mama, this is what she would say. And it's the uh, key idea in your, your bulletin, in your outline this morning. It says, using pornography removes sex from the context of true relationship and places it in the context of using others for our self-centered pleasure. It takes it out of what God intends for us to have, the true basis in nature and power of healthy, whole relationships. And it puts in this context where it all becomes about meeting just our self-centered pleasure, even at the expense of others. And so this morning we take a look at two fibs and a lie. Two, I mean, two fibs and a truth. Two things that, that are absolutely not true and one that absolutely is. And the first one in your outline is this. First fib. Pornography is a victimless act. Now, I don't think many of you would say that, but I hear that from time to time. It's no big deal. Who's harmed in this? It it's doesn't affect anybody. But I'm going to give you three groups of people that are affected by pornography. The first, let's talk about those involved in the films themselves. Because the stars are the first victims. According to one researcher, the porn industry is filled with victims of molestation. In fact, one study found that 70% of the women involved in pornography are victims of incest or sexual abuse as a child. 70%. And so the first victims of this industry are those that are the stars in them. Another group of victims are the women who have experienced sexually related crimes. Way too many who have experienced the abuse and the, the criminal acts against them. Pornography has been shown in several studies to be a significant contributor to physical and sexual abuse of women. Laboratory studies, scientific studies, have shown that viewing violent pornographic films increases aggression against women. And a Women's Day survey of 6,000 readers found that 21%, over one in five, 21% of the women that were sexually abused or assaulted were done so by men who were heavily into pornography. And so the first group of victims are those stars themselves who have suffered and, and, and then that's just continued to be a part of their life. The second group are those who have women who have experienced sexually related crimes as a result of this issue in our country. And of course the final group are the users and their families. The users of pornography and their spouses are victims as well. And here's how to begin with. And here's just a few areas that we need to be aware of. First, pornography develops an unhealthy comparison mentality. An unhealthy comparison mentality that distorts and, and messes up our ability to be satisfied and happy with normal sex in a normal marriage. We look at these things, we are exposed to these things, and we think that's normal, and it's not. It suggests as well that what you don't have is better than what you do have. And so it creates this dissatisfaction. And so you see, you want, you don't get, and so there's this dissatisfaction with your spouse, with your marriage. It also creates a performance-based view of sexuality. And they've done lots of studies on this, and it, it affects you in that it makes you frustrated. Few, if any, are able to perform to the standards of pornographic material. And so you see this, and, and there's this performance-based anxiety that's created in you as a user of pornography. Earl Wilson, in his book, Sexual Sanity, and I think we have that book out on our resource center. I encourage you to pick it up. 
He wrote this. He said, The person who chooses to live in the fantasy world created by sexually explicit material will invariably become fearful of not being, being good enough. And so there's this comparison mentality. There's this dissatisfaction that comes. And there's this performance-based anxiety that, that happens as well. All of which messes up your relationship with your spouse, with the God gift, the gift that God's given to you. And then, in addition to all of that, the greatest devastation comes again to the user as he's crippled with guilt and shame and robbed of any true joy. Now, I'm focusing on guys. I, I'm going to say he probably more often than not. I, I read one statistic, and I couldn't verify it, but it said that there's now an increasingly growing number of women that are being exposed to this, choosing to, to use pornography as well on a regular basis. And so whether it's a he or a she, the truth is there's this crippling effect of guilt and shame that happens to the user. And it robs you of any true joy in your life. You cannot, joy and guilt and shame do not coexist together. David, from the Old Testament, knew the crippling effect of guilt. And he wrote these words in Psalm 38, verse 4 through 6. He said, my guilt overwhelms me. It is a burden too heavy to bear. My wounds fester and stink because of my foolish sins. I am bent over and racked with pain. My days are filled with grief. The reason that this is so devastating to so many is that there are millions and millions, tens of millions of people in our country today who don't go to church, won't even pursue a relationship with God because of guilt and shame. Because they... they don't want to face the reality of what they're dealing with. And so they don't want to, just this issue has kept millions, tens of millions away from God because of this bondage that they're in. And that's outside the church. Within the church, there are millions and millions as well who have been robbed of their purpose, of their joy, of what God wants for them. They've been robbed of the, the God-given purpose that, they, that He has for them because they, they walk with this guilt and this shame and this, this uh, fear of being discovered. And there is no way in God's green earth you can live with that and discover and fulfill your purpose in the kingdom of God. And so the reason I get pretty hot about this and get passionate about this is because I know that in this room this morning and across churches across the country, there are men who are not engaged, not leading their family as the spiritual head of their household. Men who are not doing what God wants them to do. Not engaging in the kingdom life that God wants for them because they're consumed with guilt and shame. And it eats at them from the inside out. And so they come, maybe they sit, but they don't engage. They don't participate. They don't lead their families because in their gut they know that they've just soiled themselves and they've ruined their God-given purpose, at least to this point. Now the good news is David also knew the forgiveness that comes from coming to God. Psalm 51. An amazing passage where David says, that, you know, I, Lord, create in me a clean heart and teach me to again walk in your ways. And he knew the grace and the forgiveness of God. But you see, it's time for us to recognize and admit how horrible this dirty little secret is so that we can deal with it for what it is. A sinful act that leaves many victims in its wake. Pornography is anything but a victimless act. Anything but. And again, the good news is there is an answer to our guilt. There is an answer to our guilt. There is a pathway to freedom. And it starts with confession and crying out to God. Admitting, God, forgive me and help me to get free. 
I see my sin for what it is, and I don't want to live there anymore. We'll talk more about that in a second. But you've got to come to this place where we see pornography for what it is. A horrible thing that's affecting, severely, horribly affecting tens of millions of men and families. Here's another fib. Number two, that gets in the way of our true freedom. Fib, I'm strong enough to defeat this on my own. That's a lie. That I'm strong enough to defeat this on my own. We think that it's just a matter of willpower or self-discipline. And that, that uh, through willpower and self-discipline, we can, we can beat this. And though they are a part of the answer, they are not enough. It is not enough on its own. Part of it is because of guilt and shame. You know, we're afraid to admit that we desperately need help. And, and, and we don't deal with the reality very well that we can't do this on our own. Overcoming temptation, especially those connected to bodily urges and sexual desire, is rarely, rarely possible simply through willpower alone. And if you've never heard that before, let me, let me just give you that little insight. You think, I, 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 you know, it's like in the drama. I, I thought I could do this. I cleaned it up. I committed. I made the decision not to do it anymore. And two weeks later, he's back in the same old trap. It's rarely possible simply just through willpower alone to defeat this in our lives. Jesus said in Mark 14, 38, The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Jesus knew us. He knew humankind. Jesus walked in flesh and blood, in the human form. And so he knew very well this reality, this truth, that the Spirit is willing. I don't want to. I want to do the right thing. But he said the body is weak. The Apostle Paul wrote in Romans 7, I'm just going to paraphrase a passage that he dealt with in this issue. And he said, I want to do the right thing. I want to, but I still end up doing the wrong thing. My will is just not strong enough to overcome the evil that is right there with me. Man, does that sound way too familiar or what? On my own, I am doomed to fail. On your own, you are doomed to fail as well. And you see, the truth is, as long as as it stays a dirty little secret in your life, it holds you in the grip of its darkness, in the grip of its power. As long as you hide it, it holds you. And if you're taking notes this morning, write that little phrase down because it is so true. As long as you hide it, it holds you in its grip. But the instant we bring our sin into the light, its power is broken. The instant we bring that to God and to others, to the light, the power of that thing is broken in our lives. First John 1, 7, John wrote these words, If we walk in the light, as He, Jesus, is in the light, we have fellowship. And I've talked about that word before. It means partnership. I love that word. Koinonia in the original language. We have partnership, fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, His Son, purifies us from all sin. If we will walk in the light, we have this connection, this partnership with others around us. And I'll talk again about that in just a moment. But we have this fellowship, this partnership with one another. And as we walk in the light, it says His blood, the blood of Jesus, His Son, purifies us from all sin. A few months ago, I was working on a message for a series we were in. And it was on the, the relationship series, and I was looking for some statistics on single parents, single moms in particular. So I Googled it. Anybody ever Google anything? I love Google, man. I mean, it's cut my research time in half. It just amazes me what's at your fingertips anymore. So I, I Googled the topic, single parents. And, psh, man, hundreds of websites came up and all of this information. And, and I'm kind of paging through looking at the topics. You know, they kind of give you this brief little snippet about what it's about. And I saw one that thought, hmm, that looks like it probably has some good information. Clicked on it, and instantly 
I've got the opening web page of a pornographic website, and it's explicit, it's graphic, and it's very detailed. And it's right there. I clicked on something to get information about single parenting, and next thing I know, I've got this thing, this horrible thing in my face. And I'm going to be honest with you, for about 10 seconds, which was 10 seconds too long, I thought about going a little deeper into this. I'm in my office. Doors closed. I'm on my computer. Who's going to know? And I thought, well, I'm researching. You know, maybe I should just do a little research into this topic for a while. You know. But you know what? I've learned. And I have, you know, like you, have had to deal with the reality of my flesh. And I've learned that the best way for me to deal with that is to bring it to the light. And so I clicked on X, the little red X, closed that thing, got up from my desk, walked out, found Pastor Brian, and said, Pastor Brian, Brian, this is what just happened to me. And I brought it to the light. I brought it to the light. And instantly, that thing was broken. The power of that was broken in my life. I'm telling you that that is the key. One of those keys. One of the keys is to stop hiding it. You know, we have this in our human nature. What did Adam and Eve do? Who us? We haven't sinned. They hid from God. They tried to get away. They, they didn't want to face it. They didn't want to come into the light. They're hiding in the bushes somewhere when God shows them and says, Adam, Eve, where are you? It's our nature to hide. But until we bring it to the light, it's going to hold us in the grip of His power. The fib is I can do this on my own. And we buy into this thing that it was just too embarrassing to ask for help, which takes me to the truth. Number three. To succeed, you need a doable plan. Now, I know that sounds maybe not very spiritual at first. I'm going to get to some very spiritual components of this. But I want to keep it simple for you this morning. I'm going to tell you, to succeed, you need a doable plan. Statistically, 40 to 60% of the men in this room, in this room today, have recently struggled with pornography or they are struggling right now with this issue. And some of you wives are going, "Uh uh-uh. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. The statistics are not much better for Christian men than they are for secular, non-Christian, non-believing men in our country. And it depends on who you want to believe or what you want to read. But somewhere between 40 to 60% are struggling with this issue or have struggled with it recently. Now, most are not addicted to porn. They're not sex addicts. They're not deviant, you know, in that respect. But way too many lose this battle way too often. Way too many lose this battle way too often. And again, the sad truth is it's affecting their spiritual life and their family life. It's affecting them. You know, similar to what we saw in the drama this morning, a woman called me several years ago, and uh, she could barely talk on the phone. And in between her sobs, the story that I got was tragic, and one that I've heard too many times. She said, I've discovered that my husband has been visiting these pornographic websites, and worse than that, he confessed to me that he's having cyber sex, and I'm not even going to go there. But she's devastated, deeply wounded, and overcome with despair. Now, fortunately, I, man, I tell you, it took a lot of guts on this guy's part. He came clean, and once his sin was exposed, he wanted to get help. And he came in and saw me, and we walked through a difficult season together for him and for his marriage. And I want to share with you briefly the pathway that God put him on. I don't take credit for it, but the four things that 
God gave us for this guy. And I believe with all my heart, there's probably more, but if these four are put into practice, it's the pathway to freedom. Letter A in your outline. You need to know the love of God. The first thing that must happen to keep this at a heart level and to, to, to keep us from just getting sucked down to the, you know, the ground all the time with guilt and shame is we need to know the love of God and love Him more than we love the gratification of our flesh. I need to know how much God loves me. And in response to that love, love Him more than I love myself. You see, knowledge, fear, even guilt are not enough to get us and to keep us on track. They're just not enough. You can know a lot of stuff. But how many of you have discovered that knowledge doesn't keep you on the narrow road? You can be afraid, fear of getting caught, fear of being exposed. But fear itself does not get us there. Guilt, we would think, you know, that guilt is a great motivator, right? That, that it would just somehow get us to want to deal with this. But it just gets us into this thing where we just get locked into this pattern. The best motivator is love. Love is the best motivator. Keeping your love hot for God will keep you wanting to do the right thing for the right reasons. Knowing the love that He has for you will keep you in that relationship with Him that is the, the hope, the source of all your hope. First John, again, 4.16 says this, And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in Him. Unbelievably powerful verse. And it's so simply stated here. We know and rely on the love of God. Do you know this morning the love God has for you? And are you relying on that for everything you're worth? Because He's love. And whoever lives in love responds to that love and walks in that love. God lives in Him. And I'm here to tell you this morning that love's the best motivator. Love for God Love for your family, and even love for yourself. The best motivator to keep you. Wanting to pursue that path of freedom and wanting to do it for the right reasons. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads just for a moment because I, there are some in this room that you have not yet experienced the love of God. You, you've, you, I mean, you've seen it, you've felt it, but you've not said yes to that love. You've not embraced the love that He has for you. You've not given your life to following Him, to walking in the love that God has for you. And I'm going to pray a prayer right now. And if you want to become a follower of Jesus, if you want to know the love of God and walk and rely on this love in your life, it starts with you beginning to have a relationship with Him. By you entering into faith and relationship where you choose to give your life and heart to God, to admit that you've sinned and that you need Him, and then to say, God, now give me a new heart, a new life. Give me your forgiveness and grace and let me walk with you in that love that that you have for me and that I want to have for you. And I'm just going to pray a simple prayer. And if this is your desire this morning, then in your heart just say, yes, Lord, that's me. Lord Jesus, I come to you admitting my sin, my failure, my need. I come to you admitting that I have have been far from you. And yet right here, right now, I choose to give you my heart, to give you my life. I believe in you, Lord God. I believe that you sent your son to die for me, to pay the penalty for my sins. And I want to know your love. I want to walk in your love. And I choose, I choose you. And I choose to give you all that I am and all that I have, all of my past, all of my sins. And I accept, Lord, that free gift of salvation that you've offered. 
And right here today, I choose you. And I want to walk with you. Walk in that love. And know that love all the days of my life. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if that's your heart, for you, that's the beginning. You crossed that line of faith. The Bible says it's good for you to confess that, to tell others about that. So I encourage you today, tell that person sitting next to you, say, today, I, that prayer was my prayer. I made that personal. We've got some information for new Christians at the information table at the, in the back. Pick something up. But this is the beginning for you. But I, I had to do that because I want you to know the love of God. And I want you to understand the love that God has for you. Letter B, first we know the love of God. Letter B, we need God's help. We have to understand that we are desperate, desperate in need of God's help. You may need to be set free from spiritual bondage. And you will absolutely need the overflow of God's Spirit and power within you. There may be chains of bondage, things that the enemy has wrapped you up in, that you're going to need to be set free from. And you will absolutely need that infilling power of God the Holy Spirit upon you and within you. Now, I've addressed these issues before, and I'm just going to, going to land briefly on, on these things this morning. I would encourage you, if you're in a life group this week, it might be a good topic of conversation, especially in the men's groups, to talk about some of these issues and to take the next step in pursuing them personally. But here's, here's some things that we need to do to get God's help. Spiritual bondage, let me explain that, because that's a phrase that people go, what does that mean? Well, that happens when you give Satan a platform in your heart and in your mind through repeated, unrepented sin. You keep doing the same thing and, and you keep failing the same area and you repeat that and that you're unrepentant of it and you just keep going through the process and every time you do, you're just building this broader platform for the enemy just to kind of land on and to wrap himself, his claws into your heart, into your soul. And so part of what needs to happen in many is that they need to be set free from that. And people say, well, are you talking about being you know, possessed by demons? Uh, you know, here's what I'm saying. Spiritual bondage is a reality. And the fact that it needs to be broken and dealt with is a reality. And, I, you know, whatever your theology is, let me put it simply. There's freedom that comes in walking to Jesus, coming to Him, and asking Him to remove those things that have wrapped you up. God's power is greater than the chains of darkness in your life. And He can and will set you free if you ask Him to. And so there's this freedom that needs to come. And then the other side, there's this unlimited access to unlimited power that God has provided daily for us and that we daily need to come and get filled up, to, to get full of the Spirit of God so that we can walk in His power. Second Peter 1.3 says this, His divine power, God's divine power, has given us everything we need for life and godliness. And that's an incredible promise. God's divine power. Whose power is it? Is it mine? No. It's God's divine power, and it's been given to me so that everything I need for life and godliness is right there. And so I get free, and then I learn to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Letter C, the next thing I took this guy through and, and, uh, and would encourage you to understand is that you need personal boundaries, a predetermined strategy. You need to establish personal boundaries. This, this what are you going to do when... Mentality. Now, as I said before, willpower is not enough on its own. Willpower alone is not enough. But, listen carefully, we do need to make wise and godly choices. And so I walk in this love. I live in this love. I get set free. I, I'm empowered by the Spirit of God. And, and I do have responsibility. 
You know, the old Flip Wilson, the devil made me do it. How many of you remember that you're going to date yourself? Yeah, there you go. All the old people. But uh, you know, like me, you know, you, 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 there's a personal responsibility that we have. And so, again, it's not willpower. Don't hear me saying that. I'm not saying just suck it up, buttercup. You've got to do harder, work harder. What, what I am saying is there is a choice that we've got to make. We do have an important part to play. Look with me at Proverbs 4, 23 through 27. Solomon said, Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Put away perversity from your mouth. Keep corrupt talk from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Make level paths for your feet and take only ways that are firm. Do not swerve to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil. Some very practical advice here. But here's the question. How do we guard our hearts? If this is important, a big deal, above all else, guard your hearts, then well, how do we do it? Well, it's right here. Three things that are covered. Verse 24 says, put away perversity from your mouth. Keep corrupt talk from your lips. Simply put, watch what you say. Guard your heart. Watch what you say. The second thing is we watch what we see. Watch what you see. Verse 25, let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your great gaze directly before you. Let your eyes look straight ahead and fix your gaze directly before you. So watch what you see. And then verse 26 to 27, make level paths for your feet and take only ways that are firm. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. What's he saying there? Watch where you go. Watch where you go. How do you guard your heart? You watch what you say. You watch what you see. You watch where you go. It's right here. Now, what happens if you're surprised by the unexpected? What happens if all of a sudden you click on something and you didn't know that was going to happen? Well, you run like hell is after you. Wasn't swearing there. I was. You run like hell is after you because it is. First Corinthians six eighteen, Paul said, "Flee from sexual immorality." Flee. You know what that means? Run like hell is after you. Flee from sexual immorality. Get out of it as quickly as you can. Run from it. Joseph ran from Potiphar's wife. Good example of what to do when you get in that situation. If all of a sudden you've done your best, you've done all you can, and boom, surprise, then flee sexual immorality. One more thing we need to do. Letter D. You need the strength of community. You need the strength of community. There is no substitute for accountability. James 5.16 says, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has, a great, has great power and wonderful results. Confess your sins to each other. Is that easy? Uh-uh. Is it powerful? Yeah, absolutely. Confess and pray for each other so that you may be healed. So that you may be whole. You see, this is where we bring it to the light. This is where we break the power of secret sin. This is where we discover that we are not alone in our struggles. And we find grace and encouragement and meaningful and real partnership with others. On the back of your outline, under websites to check out, there's one called uh, com. And I, and I challenge every one of you men, if you have a computer and you use it, go to that website, www.XXXChurch.com. And these two guys, the guys that I quoted earlier, Craig Foster, uh, Craig Gross and Mike Foster, created this website to help people. And there's so many resources available there. And one of them is absolutely free. There's no reason in God's green earth why you shouldn't take advantage of it. And it's a download free software 
that provides an accountability. What it does, and all the staff pastors on, on our staff here have done this, including me. And you download this software, you identify two people, that their email addresses that you want as accountability partners. And, and once a month or every other week, it sends a report to those two people. Mine goes to Brian and my wife. And it lists any questionable websites that you visited. Ladies, I challenge you to ask your husband, Honey, you're going to sign up for that and make me your accountability partner? And if he gets mad, there might be an issue there. Because this is simple. And it's powerful. I'm going to tell you, just real simply put, you're going to think twice about going somewhere if you think your wife's going to get a report in two weeks on it. Duh. It's a powerful tool. It's an accountability tool. It's there to support and encourage you. Find someone in your life you trust and love and enlist them as an accountability partner with you so that they have that rite of passage to ask you the hard questions. I think the seven most difficult words in the English language are, I have sinned and I need help. It just is. It's hard. For us to admit, I have sinned and I need help. There's a stubborn pride and shameful guilt within us that causes us to want to conceal and to camouflage our weaknesses rather than confess them and come clean. But here's the reality for all of us. Ready? Coming clean is the only way to find wholeness and health. It's the only way. And so this fourth part of this step in terms of the pathway to freedom is absolutely important. I want to read one more passage of Scripture and we're done. Psalm 101, verse 1 to 3. The psalmist says, I will sing of your love and justice. To you, O Lord, I will sing praise. And an interesting in this context, listen, verse 2. I will be careful to lead a blameless life. I will walk in my house with a blameless heart. I will set before my eyes no vile God, I'm going to come and I'm going to sing of your love. I'm going to walk in your love. I'm going to rely on your love. And I'm going to be careful to lead a blameless life and to walk in my house with a blameless heart. And I will set before my eyes no vile thing. As you leave this morning, we've got a little walkout gift for you, which we like to do from time to time. And it's a, a magnet. My eyes on it. And the scripture verse from Psalm 101.3, I will set before my eyes no vile thing. I want to encourage you, pick one of those up, guys. Pick one of those up and slap it someplace near your computer or in a place where it's going to remind you to live with this kind of passion and integrity. It's my prayer that every time you see this little reminder that you remember to walk in the pathway to freedom and that you don't have to be consumed by sin, by guilt, by shame. You can know the joy that comes from walking with Him. We have the band come, and I want to pray for you. Let's pray together. Lord, I want to thank you for your your goodness, your grace, your mercy. I want to thank you, Lord, for the love that you have for us. I want to thank you, God, for the power that comes from your spirit that you provided for us. I want to thank you, Jesus, that you are absolutely committed that part of why you came was to set the captives free. I want to thank you, Lord, that you have provided us 
the community of faith, brothers and sisters around us who are not perfect either, and so, Lord, they won't cast stones. They'll embrace the opportunity to be a partner with us. I want to thank You, Lord, that You've provided everything we need to walk with You and to know the joy of living, Lord, with freedom, of living with purpose, of living with everything You want for us. And Lord, it's my prayer this morning that there would not be a person here, not one person here, who would leave today thinking this is no big deal. That they would not leave here today, Lord, under the cloud of guilt and shame, but right here in this moment, they would cry out, Oh God, forgive me. In their own hearts, in their own way, that they would just come to you and say, Lord, here I am again. I failed you. I've sinned against you. I've sinned against my family. And, and yet, Lord, I'm here at your throne of mercy and your grace. I'm here asking you to set me free. And I pray that every one of those men and women that are praying that prayer right now, that have that desire, that they would walk through those four steps to wholeness that they would know your love and walk in it, rely on it, that they would get set free, that they would, they would be empowered by your Spirit, God. That they would understand that they can't do it on their own, but you've provided everything they need. That you would help them to set boundaries, Lord. That they would make choices. And, and that the big choice would be to just keep bringing it to the light. Lord, we're going to sin. That, that's just like going to happen. In some area, in some way, until you come back for us or we go home to be with you, we're all going to blow it. Teach us, Lord, just to bring our stuff to the, to the light, to bring our sin to you. And then, God, connect them. I pray that every man here, especially right now, who is in their heart just said, Oh, God, I needed to hear this today. Oh, God, forgive me. That they today would call somebody, would grab another brother, that they would get on the phone, that they would connect with another guy that they trust and love, and that there would be that partnership that would happen, Lord, as they just say, hey, would you help me? I'm, I'm going I'm to need your help from time to time. Would you pray for me? And that we would walk, Lord, in the power of community. And so, Lord, we bring our lives and hearts to you. And I pray that from this point, Lord, that you would continue to work and lead us to wholeness and health. I pray that in Jesus' name.